2: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben.
3: And my name is Peter. Peter, how are you? I am okay. How are you?
2: I'm doing I'm doing alright actually. Good. I... well, we're doing this podcast a little later than normal. Mm-hmm. Usually we record relatively early in the morning. Yeah. And now it's nearly midday so I'm feeling a little bit more awake than usual which is... Unexpected.
3: Yeah, I'm feeling good about it, except for the fact that I'm now thinking, oh man, by the time we're done, it'll almost be stream time. So, you know, where is the day gone? <laughs> it'll be Friday by the time. It'll, it'll almost be Friday when we finish recording this podcast, it feels like.
2: Sure, yeah. it'll nearly be episode 104 by the time we. It will
3: finish this one, but yeah.
2: there we go. We'll we'll press it. We'll press ahead, shall we? We'll press ahead. will carry on. Ahead. So this is our video game podcast where we talk about video game things. We take some questions. We talk about what we're playing. We bring some weird video game news along, and because it's such a brilliantly constructed show, everyone is lining up around the block. By everyone, I mean all the companies, all those companies just on legs. Imagine a person. But it's a company, It's just a
3: logo with a pair of cartoon legs underneath it.
2: Precisely. All queuing up around the block to sponsor this very podcast. They're like, I've got to get in on that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Why wouldn't I want to have my name read at the beginning and at the end of of the the Triple Jump podcast? So, Peter Mm. has this week's ad read with a very real sponsor, Don't You Peter?
3: I do. Also, so at time of, as you say, we're recording this on a, a Thursday at midday ish. Uh, at time of recording, yesterday there was a uh, the latest Nintendo Direct, of course, mm. um, and they announced all kinds of new games and exciting things. Um, but there's also a brand new product uh, or sort of intellectual property being announced. It was very much blink and you'll miss it, though. So they've actually paid for a message on this podcast because they think that like. No one seems to have seen it. There's not a single write-up for it anywhere on the internet. Um, My goodness. Keep your eyes out, everyone, for Nintendo's Switch. Nintendo's Witch. Um, wow. Nintendo have fully trademarked and copyrighted the word Witch. Um, can they so do that? They can. They've done it. Uh, it costs a lot of money, but they've spoken to, like, the Oxford English Dictionary and Merriam-Webster... Herself, Maybe they've spoken to Miriam. They've
2: spoken to Miriam. <laughs>
3: and said, look, this word is ours now. Here's some money. Um, right. So, not only can we no longer legally, without paying royalties to Nintendo, talk about um, magic users who ride broomsticks and have black cats. Right. Uh, but they've also um, done the same thing with, with the homophones of the word witch. So, W H I C as well, the sort of. Don't even know what kind of word that is. Is it a preposition? No. Is it a conjunctive? Is it a? I don't know what it is. But we're not allowed to say that. You have to just um, well work around it somehow. Which which is which? I don't know. That cost you about sixty pounds to say that sentence.
2: I, there. Had, I think you'll find that cost triple jump about sixty pounds. Right.
3: Okay. Fair enough. So, so. that's it, everyone. that is not it's not really a gaming product. It's just something that's been trademarked by a video gaming company. Uh, don't say the word "witch" or it'll cost you. Nintendo's witch. <laughs> it's got our name on it. It's got a witch. Uh, witch. is also not real. Oh, you are kidding me! It's a lie. That's uh, insane. You did know you because truly Nintendo believe that they'd been in touch with Miriam. She's dead, probably. She's
2: long dead. It's just Webster now. Yeah. Uh, n- no, I didn't but also I kind of did because Nintendo they like to do things like this don't they <laughs> they do
3: yeah Especially how dare real you show words. our trailer on your YouTube channel to hundreds of thousands of people and try and market our company for us for free how dare
2: you how dare are you playing one of our games that <laughs> you've bought yeah that's disgusting who do you think you are money please thank you mm. we'll take a bit of that 50p ad revenue Cheers! Yeah. We need it. We're Nintendo.
3: You shouldn't be taking a 50p from me. I don't think. It's no, there, no, it's not so. No, no. As as well established, we yeah. we know that.
2: Well, if that's not real, I tell you what is: mm. the wonderful patrons over at Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump, where for as little as one dollar per month, you get access to the podcast post that goes up usually on a Tuesday. Where we ask for questions for this very podcast. Before I throw it over to the first question asked, asked asker of the week, question
3: master. Yeah,
2: we must determine where we are walking in the video version of this podcast.
3: Oh, I don't know. Would you like to choose this week? I, I feel like I, I often jump in and just say, you know, the moon. Or whatever. Well, that's but, great.
2: We're on the Well What done, Peter? Oh. Another great no, we're in a dictionary this week, of course. Okay,
3: good. I'm pretty sure we've done the moon before. It's yeah, probably I an we early have. one.
2: Yeah. It's an it's an obvious choice, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. The sky.
3: It's, it's a real Adrian Brody Brody quest background, isn't it? Really? It is.
2: Where else can we go? We've been in, have we been in the Bottom
3: sea. Bottom We must have been. Yeah. Eiffel Night Tower. Tower.
2: Sure. I don't know. I don't think we've been in the Eiffel Tower, but there's options for sure. Mm. Options for sure. But yeah, we're in a big dictionary this week. Okay, first Question asker, Peter, who is it?
3: Uh, It's Darren Kank, I think, um, who says, Good day, Ben and Peter. As we know, making video games is both expensive and time-consuming, so in order to let smaller studios or developers produce incredible games, there are a few options to fund the development process. It could be crowdfunding a game, selling a game as early access, or a beta version. Uh, I suppose pre-ordering a game falls under this category too. This can either be a huge success, see Minecraft, or a massive failure, see Yog Ventures, Darren says. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested uh, in putting money down on a game before it's finished, what would make you go, shut up and take my money? Like the Futurama meme
2: Just like the Futurama meme. Well, firstly, we should clarify that we are no longer salaried employees of yeah Yorgs cast but we were and we have a continuing relationship with them mm-hmm. so let's just get that out in the open yeah um we're network members on our we are, other we are network members on our spare time. channel yeah yeah uh however i suppose the what would make me i can i've i've come up with the exact scenario where that would happen but in t- in terms of speaking more generally i suppose you would have to really trust the creator you know like yeah.
3: your that's exactly what I wrote. Yeah, like
2: what what are they called? Double Fine, you know? Right. Like they've they've turned to Kickstarter, I think, a couple of times now. They're a very well known game. It could be a uh, game name. It could be argued that they are so well known that I mean, what are they doing there on Kickstarter? Right? Yeah. Surely you could just find the funding. You've got those connections, Tim. Surely
3: no? Do it, Tim.
2: Uh, but they they command a very loyal fan base and who trust in what they do and the games produced from those kickstarter projects were very very good. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you know the entity I think then that's that's a good way to get started but equally people knew and trusted Yogscast mm-hmm. and Yog Ventures was a disaster
3: and a huge failure. But I guess not, not as good. A, not as a game developer is maybe the difference. No, that. I suppose not. Yeah, I suppose like people
2: I've... need to do their due diligence but in that instance people saw the name Mm-hmm. cast and they trusted it and they were let down massively
3: yeah I put developer reception uh, reputation sorry so okay, yeah, yeah. more in terms of but then in, in some cases that's not indicative like no one had heard of Notch before really I don't think and you know mm-hmm. Minecraft was uh, a huge success but one of the other things I wrote in terms of uh, which kind of applies more to that scenario was maybe an early playable version like pre any kind of crowdfunding that's already fun and you know you can kind of just think well as, as long as i can add to this then that's going to be a worthwhile product like uh i'm pretty sure um minecraft started out purely as a passion project he didn't try and fund it or sell it at all it was a free uh, early build i think it was called first it was in dev and then when it became like an infinitely spawning world he changed it to inf dev um and uh around that point i think you could start purchasing it as um you know a kind of alpha beta um so uh you know that that's that was good because i remember playing that in the very early days um back when the the grass was lime green and horrible and even then it was just it was fun it was like 3d lego um multiplayer came in relatively early on so i used to play it with uh, some like friends on a on a forum i frequented at the time And we just built this, like, big town together and, like, kept flooding everything. And it was already a lot of fun before I think most people had invested any money into it. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe at that point we had to have paid in order to play multiplayer. I can't remember the exact timeline, but certainly an early version, uh, you know, an alpha or a pre-alpha that is already fun and promising, I think, is definitely the way to go before you invest too much money into anything.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. from From a perspective of protecting your wallet and your expectations, do your due diligence. And yeah. If you can play a version, as as you say, Peter, then that's a great way to get started. But it's not maybe, always an option. But yeah. not always an option. And you know, if you do stick to the, do I does the developer have a good reputation? You could potentially miss out on your Minecrafts, for example. Yeah. You know, yeah. from an unknown creator, a relative unknown who comes out and you know just swinging for the fences. There is a very real risk you could you could miss that. But equally there's kickstarter's a big website there's a lot of people on there and there's a very good chance you could support something that's perhaps a bit plops Mm -hmm. and in a way that's kind of nice because you've been able to support a a creative who is trying to fulfill their vision but on the other hand someone could cut and run and just say oh i don't want to do it anymore you can't have your money back (laughs) it didn't work turns out i couldn't make games and uh, i've got your money so there we go uh the exact situation though Peter, that would make me because I've never supported anything on Kickstarter before How many of you
3: I have a few times
2: no what, what is, its not it isn't it fifty p cleaning kits or yeah, yeah, stuff like that, saline solutions right hmm uh I would enemies <laughs> i would um I would lose my marbles, pardon my French mm. if the at least a part of or perhaps a decent number of uh the original Free Radical design team somehow yeah. got the Time Splitters license or not didn't even get that and just said hey mm. we're making a Time Splitters uh golden eye uh inspired successor. shooter yeah spiritual successor we need your support we're a small studio but we're like all the original team then i would be very tempted to get involved with that you know, I would love to to support that and see that happen, and uh, that actually happened with uh, a friend of mine who uh, is the editor for, uh, for for Push Square. He's a massive fan of what's the name of that game Shenmue. <laughs> He's a massive yeah. Shenmue fan. So when Shenmue three went up and they were asking for money, he put in an amount of money that he has not disclosed to me, but I understand <laughs> it to be quite disturbing in order to get a load of the rewards to feature in the game in various manners mm-hmm. um, but for, yeah it would have to be it would have to be a game that I was really really interested in to make me to make me say shut up and take my money.
3: Me too um, although I think typically most of the games that are very dear to me in that sense are currently owned by big name publishers you know Activision mm. Ubisoft the likes of, of those so uh probably unlikely to happen in terms of crowdfunding but you never know yeah
2: what about um, your haven the return of the king
3: oh yeah that could that could be it that could be one um, i wonder if travelers tales still own that i'm not sure mm.
2: what um, would be the reward that you would want the most out of a sequel and how much would you be willing to spend on it
3: if somebody donates um to tier 10 which is 50,000 pounds we will Ooh. actually put an ending in this game. I mean that would be worth all worth every penny.
2: That's so much though Peter. That's like <laughs> a quarter of your salary. It is.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um I, I don't know. I don't know it, uh, it's hard to imagine some of the rewards they do for that. It's such a like relatively little known game. You know, it's not like for example Time Splitters which actually most people or or lots of people know and love and it's just mm. sitting gathering dust. Unduly, I would say. Whereas Haven, it's not like they would go, it's time, everyone. We're doing it. <laughs> we know it. you've
2: all been waiting yeah. for it.
3: So I'm not sure how they would incentivize things in terms of tiers there. But uh, I'd, I would maybe support that in terms of, if only to just get a conclusion. If they promised that they wouldn't leave the second one hanging, then it would be nice just to get some kind of ending. And then they could do a third one if they wanted, but just without a massive cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe just thinking about it in terms of, Time Splitters esque, as I say, gathering dust games. I would uh, happily support Tome B3. I think that was a mm. great series. A lot of people love that. I think that would actually do quite well in terms of crowdfunding. And um, Whoopi Camp, the original developers, um, no longer exists. So I don't know who owns it. I can't remember who published it or if they maybe published it themselves. So it's sort of out there somewhere. Um, man. So yeah, that would be a good one
2: what if you could one of the rewards was
3: to have your face digitised and be like a background extra we will come to your house and paint your hair pink for, <laughs> especially for you that's it you're not for even going to be in, in the game
2: we'll just paint your hair pink we'll come to your house $200 yeah. will come to your house
3: sharpen your teeth and put you in some sort of green pants oh no I don't and like just teeth leave teeth sharpening. you there I don't like yeah. that
2: but you have to pay for the privilege of course mm. naturally yeah. Yeah. well it's time to move on Peter Mm-hmm. To a groundbreaking section we've never done before on this show. True. It's called it's What, called we... what we... we Play in It's What We Play in Time. Time to talk about what we are playing. Peter, what are you playing?
3: At time of release of this podcast, people listening slash watching may have seen us play Little Nightmares 2 over Ooh. on uh YouTube together on the Joint Blaze It stream on Thursday. Mm. Uh, a time of recording we are yet to do that but this week I have been playing and completing Little Nightmares 2 Ooh. Uh, and I then went back and played it again um, partly to gather a few more bits I tried to do it without a guide and so I've still got things left over and at this point I might go through and uh, use a guide because I know there is a little tiny post credits uh, scene unlockable if you find all the bits and bobs so that's exciting um but partly i just kind of wanted to enjoy it and play it again because i really enjoyed it the first time around and it's quite a short game it's maybe four-ish hours um and also wanted to kind of not struggle too much with any of the puzzles uh when we're streaming and i don't want to get stuck for ages there weren't many moments like that even on my first run but there were one or two where i didn't really notice that like a bit of scenery was actually you know crucial to the uh to the puzzle and. Um, There was a bit where I had to push a a shopping trolley around um, as a as a platform, so I had to move it into one place so I could like climb up and jump over it and get to another shelf or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then once I'd done something up there, I had to get down, move the trolley somewhere else so I could use it for platforming to get to a different area. And I could tell that that's what I was supposed to do, but there was this like plank on the floor that was stopping me from moving the trolley into that part of the room it was like separating it and I was like oh well they've clearly put that there to stop me getting the trolley there so that must not be the solution and I was there for like 10 minutes and I was like I don't want to I've not I've not looked at a guide yet and on my first run I've managed to get to this point in the game without peeking and I was like I might have to and then I tried one more time and the trolley eventually with a bit of a, a shove went over this little divot in the floor oh, weird and apparently it was it was supposed to do that all along. It was just... For some reason, they've put something there that makes it look like you're not supposed to take the trolley there, which is very... very Trouble with the trolley, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very weird.
2: That's like a strange physics issue.
3: Yeah. It just looks like classic game design, where they're like, yeah, we've given you this pushable thing, but we're blocking off this part of the room so you can't push the pushable thing there. Like that You see that in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. But it looked like that, but wasn't that. So that was kind of strange. But that aside... Yeah. That's what I've been playing this week, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I found it probably scarier than the first one. Oh, good! Um, Can't wait to see it. In in one particular area of the game, I think there's one place in that one. So there's different zones again that are kind of. Um, I, I was gonna say looked after, but there's probably a more sinister word. Uh, ruled by um, different monsters. And, uh, yeah, one particular part of the uh, game world has some real horrible things in it that honestly probably unnerved me as much as, like, the Resi 2 Zombies, Resi 2 Remake Zombies or something, in terms of recent games that have scared me a bit. Right. Um, you know, they really are horrible, the way they move. Um, so I can't wait to share that with you. <sighs> Um, Yeah, me too. And they weren't even the boss. They were like the minions of the area. Um, Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So it gets worse. Bosses are pretty horrible too. Um, But uh, yeah. So real spooky, real pretty in a horrible, haunting way. And Mm -hmm. uh, well made once again. Really, really love that game. We've done a quick skip on it already, but just to add to that, I would would absolutely recommend this to people who've played the first one and enjoyed it, but also people who haven't played the first one at all. Someone asked me on Twitter, can I... uh, can I play this without having played the first? Yes, you can. You should still play the first because it's great, but this uh, second one requires no prior knowledge. There's just a few hints and nods, but uh, give it a go for sure.
2: Amazing. Sounds
3: excellent. Yeah. What have you been playing, Ben?
2: I have been playing only Persona 5 Royal, and that's Ooh, it. Oh Yeah all week at the time of recording I took yesterday off and I sat in my pants and ate pizza and played Persona 5 Royal all day the dream the dream yeah <laughs> it's oh, it's it's a long game yeah. and I knew it was a long game going into it but my goodness and I think this isn't a, necessarily a Persona 5 unique issue but maybe it's I I'd seem to encounter these issues a fair amount with Japanese video games in general where they tend to retread a lot of the same narrative ground, like explaining concepts to new characters that you are already inf- intimately familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, like in this game, I feel like I've heard I've heard how palaces work explained to new characters at least a dozen times now, right. and every time it's just like the. The amount of dialogue interactions whenever something tiny happens—it's just—it feels like it's so there's so much more conversation than there needs to be. Yeah. And without a doubt, obviously the the bulk of this of the game time comes from dialogue and like you know scripted events where you're just sort of tied to your chair and have to watch, mm-hmm. and occasionally you get to choose a, a dialogue response or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not dragging that's not the right word at all but certainly i'm near the end of the game now and i feel like there's there's been a lot of there's been a lot of conversations that perhaps were just not necessary or could have been shortened just a bit and i had this issue with the original game as well um they they just explain things again and again it's like i get i understand i was there i understand and it's like there's a revelation about a character and say, Oh my goodness, do you remember when they did this? We should have seen it coming. It's like, yeah, I do remember, yeah. Because I was here. You don't need to show me again. I was I was here for it.
3: It's kind um, of a thing in storytelling, isn't it? To try not to have to retread old ground to new character like you you know, they there are techniques you can use as a writer to get around like having to go, Hello new character, my name is this, and I come from this place and we did this together. Here are all the th- things
2: we've done. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely and obviously this is this is translated uh, from the original really? japanese and i it's uh, i've got to assume that it's it just makes far more sense in the uh, yeah. in the original japanese and that's just how it works when translated into english uh, i i love the game really enjoying it obviously um and i'm looking forward to to getting it done so i can start on persona 5 strikers properly uh but yeah it's just when when you're 85 hours into a jrpg (laughs) and they're telling you things you already know you're sort of like can you just can we can we get on with it just a bit can we come on guys you know there's only so much time before the arcade stops letting me win the burger the the burger toy yeah uh, that i want to win in the time slot um this game though as it turns out persona 5 royal is far easier to platinum than the original game and it's gonna happen peter I'm gonna yeah. platinum it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm on track.
3: I believe and you. I trust you.
2: Yeah, it it was just surprising because the original one was notoriously a bit of a challenge and a bit of a chore. Uh, whereas this one, I'm 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 actually gonna do it, which is exciting because as much as I love Persona games, I don't really I don't have any sort of digital trinkets to show that, and right, this will yeah. be my opportunity to. To stick one in the cabinet, so to speak.
3: Are you having to use a guide along the way in case there are some one-shot trophies to get that will maybe make you have to play another 75 hours to go back and do it again? Or are there not any of those
2: trophies? So I think... I think I mentioned last week that I am actually following like a walkthrough guide to make Mm. sure I sit. But it wasn't my intention to get the platinum. It was just to see and experience as much of this game as possible. Mm. Uh, But as it turns out, the guide is incredibly thorough. And when I was having a look at my trophy list, I saw that there were very few trophies apart from the mandatory story ones that I hadn't actually got. And I've, I've cleared pretty much all of those now. So it's just a case of finishing the game which is, uh, you know, it's plain sailing from here. It was yeah. a bit of a pain in the ass, some some of them. You know, defeating the Reaper is a bit of a challenge, uh, but I did do that. In the original game, there was a glitch where if you fought him during a certain uh, time period uh, in the real world, he would get sad and die after three turns. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they've they've patched that now. So you have okay. to fight him legitimate, uh, legitimately. And uh, kudos to everyone who did do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. It's dragging a bit. It's not dragging, but it is dragging. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I am really enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, through to the end.
3: Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's time to move on to question two. Um, ben, would you like to read it? It's from Will Height. Height. Will High. Height. Let
2: us know, Will. Will says, "Hey guys, I've really gotten much more into gaming over the past year or so, and have been interested in going back and playing some classic games featured on your list videos. My most recent purchase is Knights of the Old Republic, which was number one on your Star Wars list. I've played the first level, and I hate it. Oh, no. It's the first game where I'm not in control of combat. I just have to stand there. Uh, yeah, I just have to stand there and tell my guy to shoot instead of me actually pulling the trigger, like the game." I'm more used to which is Battlefront 2 for the original Xbox. Now obviously this game must be good. Is this just a style of shooting in a game that I'm not accustomed to? Does it change as it goes along? I apologise if this is a dumb question. Love you guys all the best. Will from New Jersey.
3: Not a dumb question, Will. Do you nope. There are no stupid questions. Have you played KOTOR? I've not played KOTOR for my sense. Um, you know, despite being a big Star Wars fan, I missed it first time round because I believe it was it was like Microsoft exclusive. It was like Xbox and PC, right? I think it that's, still is.
2: Yes, that's why well, I haven't is. played
3: yeah. it. Yeah, no, of course it still is. But yeah, certainly um, it was a time where maybe it was when I did have access to an Xbox. But I, I guess back then as well, I wasn't so clued into w- everything that was coming out on console and PC. It was only later that I, you know, really started following. Um, releases on various platforms so it is on my list to play i actually bought it um probably a year or two ago on steam um it came as part of like a star wars bundle and um uh i was looking forward to playing it the steam port was like broken where you just couldn't get past the first menu um i think it was like i can't remember if it was like the 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 menu is like wanting a controller input but would only accept mouse or vice versa and it was like a known issue and people were saying like I've just bought Knights of the Old Republic and I can't play it, I can't launch it. And they were like, yeah, this needs fixing. So then I just left it. I believe it's now been fixed on Steam and I have every intention to play it when I have the time. Um because people tell me very good things about it. Unfortunately I know the twist, which is a shame, but um you know, never mind. But uh, to answer Will's question, yeah, this is this is just a a style of combat you get, particularly in PC games, I would say. Um, But you probably get it elsewhere too. Where I mean, the the places I associate it with most are in sort of MMOs and things like that, or Mm -hmm. like so you get it in RuneScape, for example, where you just click on an enemy and then you'll both start kind of swinging at each other. Or I used to play a lot of guild wars. And that was the same thing. I played an archer and I would like click on an enemy. My archer would start firing arrows just uh, one after the next. And while he's doing that, I could like press keys on my keyboard to do like different types of arrow and powers and, you know, triple uh, triple shot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it it is just a different style of combat. I can understand why a lot of people aren't so into it. I remember the first time I played RuneScape, actually, I was like, oh. What's this about? you know this is a bit weird um, but uh on the other hand, I think Kotor is mostly uh loved for its story and characters and the world that it you know that the developers have created there and the writers. so I mean I think if you're a if you have any kind of interest in Star Wars, I suspect it's worth persevering. With the, with the combat? Maybe not, if you, if you really do hate it that much. Um, I don't believe it changes. I can't imagine it changes as the game progresses. Um, but, you know, as I say, I've not played it myself. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I guess my advice would be... If you're interested in it as a Star Wars game... Maybe try and persevere. And you might at least enjoy the story and the game world and the lore and stuff. But if you're not such a Star Wars fan... Um, then uh oh, I don't know, maybe it's not for you. Might might just not be for you.
2: Yeah. It's entirely possible that it's not, and that's okay. Yeah. To to walk away from something like that. Because while I can't speak specifically for Kotor because I haven't played it because I didn't I, I didn't have a thing to play it on, and I still well, I suppose I could play it on PC now. Yeah. Um but and, and maybe this isn't the specific case in this instance because uh Will talks about uh, playing Battlefront 2 on the original Xbox being his closest comparison, sort of, to yeah. you know that, that period of games for him. Um, so, you know, may- maybe this isn't necessarily the case for you, it's just, in this instance, as you say, Peter, it's just a different style of gameplay. Mm. Uh, but broadly speaking, it can be difficult to go back to classic games. I don't think it necessarily, I think everyone agrees, it doesn't mean those games are bad, it just means that Games have come a very long way yeah. since since KOTOR came out. An example that I'd like to give is Final Fantasy VII as well. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time since that came out. Uh, People who grew up loving that game like me will tell you it's the best game ever and there's nothing wrong with it and it has aged gloriously. But if you try and get someone who has never played it before to play it, it's going to take some persevering because there's a lot of obtuse... Uh, control and presentation situations shall we say with Final Fantasy 7 that have only been made perhaps a bit more prominent due to the passage of time and how far we've come mm-hmm. um, but yeah as Peter said if you're able to persevere with uh, with KOTOR there's a good chance you'll fall as in love with it as everyone else but that initial hurdle of getting used to a game from God, it's got to be close to 20 years ago now right yeah it must amounts. be i suppose yeah uh yeah. if it if uh, to to get over that hurdle it's going to take some doing and uh it's only going to i would say it's only going to get harder the the further games <laughs> go you know like mm-hmm. it, the further we get into the future and the older a game gets the harder it's going to be to to jump into it having never played it before uh, but it is possible and uh but it's okay to give up
3: i dislike the fact that now when people say oh that must have been 20 years ago my brain initially goes okay so circa 1990
2: no i was gonna say 1980s that's 20 years
3: ago isn't it uh but uh yeah that was 20 years ago was 2001 it wasn't even 2000 and 2001 that's revolting isn't it Mm -hmm. it's pretty disgusting um
2: but yeah, keep us posted, Will. Hope, Do. You, uh, hope you get something out of it. I've, I've also heard amazing things and I, I would love to experience it for myself as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Peter. Good luck with it. Uh, well, it's time for something a little mm. unusual. A little bit strange. Are you ready? A little, a bit, little strange. bit
1: strange.
0: Perhaps it's weird with you.
1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com.
2: It's weird news time. Peter, what is your weird video game news this week?
3: I have got a weird video game news this week that came out last week during our recording process. Ooh. So it was – last week it was hot – off the presses. It's now cold off the presses. um, But we'll enjoy it anyway, because I wish I'd known. (laughs) I wish they'd just released it two hours earlier. Um, (laughs) This is according to the BBC. BBC News. We know that one. We do know that one. Seven days ago. uh, Do we have a, a writer? Is it down at the bottom? I can't cite... The writer of this article, but it's the BBC.
2: Brian himself, Brian Busfield Corporation.
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Pigs can play video games with their snouts, scientists find. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, BBC. There's a picture of a pig playing a video game with its snout, which I can send to you shortly. I would like that. Um, Here we go. Pigs can play video games, scientists have found, after putting four fun-loving swine to the test. Four pigs, Hamlet, Omelet, Ebony, and Ivory, were trained to use an arcade-style joystick. They should have
2: ended on Hamlet. It's way better.
3: They should. I think it's a bit cruel calling a pig a ham pun, to be honest, but, you know, whatever. Bacon boy. Bacon boy, delicious. They should have called him. Just <laughs> really take breakfast to be. Mm. Um, Hamlet omelet. Ebony and Ivory were trained to use an arcade jo- uh, arcade style joystick to steer an on screen cursor into walls. Oh, okay, wow. that great game, Wall Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, researchers said the fact the pigs understood the connection between the stick and the game quote is no small feat. And the pigs even continued playing when the food reward dispenser broke, apparently for the social contact. Usually, pigs would be given a food pellet for winning the game level, but during testing, it broke, and they kept clearing the game levels when encouraged by some of the researchers' kind words. Ah, oh. oh,
2: We won't make you a sandwich.
3: We won't. If you, if you complete level 16, we will not cook you. Uh... This sort of study is important because, as with many, as with any sentient beings, how we interact with pigs and what we do to them in impacts and matters to them, lead author Danny Candice Crony said. That's not really where I thought they were going with this, but <laughs> okay. Um, the team also thought that the fact that the pigs could play video games at all, since they are far-sighted animals with no hands or thumbs, was remarkable. But it was not easy for them. Out of the two Yorkshire Pigs, oh yes, represent, Hamlet was better at the game than Omelette, but both struggled when it got harder, hitting the single target just under half the time. The Panapinto Micro Pigs had a bigger gamer skill gap. While Ivory was able to hit one wall targets 76% of the time, Ebony could only do it 34% of the time. Oh, Um, come on, Ebony. God, Ebony letting the side down but the researchers were still satisfied that the attempts were deliberate and focused rather than random, what they call above chance. This means, to some extent, all uh, all pigs acquired the association between the joystick and cursor movement. Um, It it sort of goes on, but I'll just read this last little bit. Uh, Kate Daniels from Willow Farm in Worcestershire uh, told... BBC Radio 4's Today program that while the scientists might have been impressed, I don't think this will come as a surprise to anyone that works with pigs. She added, they're not playing Minecraft, but they can manipulate a situation to get a reward uh, and it's no surprise at all. So, there you go.
2: I want to see a pig play Minecraft. Yeah,
3: me too. That's the next experiment. Can a pig defeat the Ender Dragon?
2: Easy. Speedrun. Minecraft speedrun with, uh, I want to see Ivory do it. Mm Mm-hmm yeah the worst one <laughs> the worst pig <laughs> at games uh i when i saw this a lot of people were saying oh, i knew that we had lessons about it at school in the 90s we've known this for ages
3: and yeah I'm actually I, I had
2: one comment about
3: that when i tweeted it yeah
2: i'm wondering it, like why this has come to the fore now if that was the case like i i personally had never heard of that before no. this news uh but seemingly people have been aware of Pig's natural Minecraft ability for a while now. Yeah.
3: Well, back then, in the 90s, they were playing um, Command & Conquer or something, I think. Or a very, very early alpha
2: version. (laughs) of War, yeah. Very early alpha version of Minecraft, perhaps. Yeah,
3: maybe. The wall-hitting game. Yeah, give them Call
2: of Duty or something. Let's see how they get on with Warzone. Yeah. Then I'll be impressed. (laughs) Pigs are very clever, though.
3: They are very clever, yeah. Yeah, there's that pig that... uh, like the house set on fire, and uh, it went and woke up all the family. It was like an, a house pig, and house the smoke pig. alarms didn't go off, and it went and woke everyone up and, and got them. I wonder if they woke up to the delicious smell of bacon when they when they opened their eyes. Just hot Maybe pig.
2: It's, it's just that pig manipulating <laughs> the situation for for their own gain again, because they're like, this is these are the treat givers.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: and they are in danger. Must mm-hmm. save the treat givers.
3: Yeah, otherwise I won't get treats. No treats, no treats at all. Yeah, there you go. That's with some weird news there. Have you got weird news yourself, Ben? Very weird. Yes,
2: I do have some weird news. I'm currently battling with potentially the worst set of adverts I've ever seen on a website. <laughs> PC Gamer, thank you. Just a huge Visa advert that's animated on one side and has a video that won't stop playing on the left side. The worst kind
3: of ads. Look, put. I don't really care how many banners you put on my, on my web page to a you know within reason but do not put those autoplay giant screen covering ads
2: yeah on you, s- you scroll down the video starts playing you scroll away from it and it's go it, it's like it's okay i can be in a little window over here look i'll come with you for you but the I'll pause
3: doesn't work so enjoy
2: don't you dare try and close it either i'm gonna open a new tab yeah you wanted a credit card didn't you no I just wanted to read this news story, which is half the size of the total adverts on page now. Just nestled in the middle. Anyway, it's not Natalie Clayton's fault. She's written a fantastic story here. Thank you, Natalie. And the headline is, Joseph Fares promises $1,000 to anyone who gets bored of It Takes Two. What? (laughs) How do
3: you measure that? Surely everyone can just say, I'm bored. Give me the thousand.
2: It's Joseph Fares. We love Joseph Fares. Yeah we love we love his brother Leo Leo. <laughs> we love him and his wonky games yeah. that are really fun a bit like David Cage in that he's kind of the only guy doing those kinds of games and he's important and we want him to keep making them mm-hmm. It Takes Two looks great though, anyway It Takes Two, the next game from a way out developer Light Studios has gone gold and Joseph Varez is so confident in its success that he'll give you a thousand dollars if you get bored of it at least wow. that's what the notorious studio director told Game Informer in a recent interview. Farez, who's perhaps better known as the Flip the Oscars guy, <laughs> made the bullish claim that it is impossible to get bored with his next game, which follows a little girl dealing with this isn't funny, I'm just laughing. No. At that, yeah. A little girl dealing with her parents' separation by playing with magical dolls that's another thing that I can guarantee you with It Takes Two it's impossible and quote me on this <laughs> to get tired of the game Fares told the outlet you can put this as a headline I can literally give a thousand bucks to anyone who says oh I'm tired of this game now because it doesn't surprise me one thousand bucks I guarantee I'll give it to everyone who gets tired but they have to be honest about
3: it but they have to be honest about They've it you have got
2: to be honest about it come on don't make me regret this Oh, God. And then uh, PC Gamer goes on to have a little dig at Joseph Farris, which feels a little unfounded, but I do kind of broadly agree with their points there. Those are bold words for a man whose last game, A Way Out, failed to impress in our oh, review. Fuck. While Hazelight made a name for, it for itself with Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, clever co-op adventures, Chris Schilling felt the crime the crime caper follow-up failed to make the most of its setup with a script that could have been, and I quote, written by a bot fed exclusively on dialogue from straight-to-DVD action films.
3: I'm I mean, that's kind of true. That's is a good pretty, quote. It's a, pretty true, isn't a it? A true one.
2: Ouch, it then says. Considering Fares' penchant, penchant for fits of passion, I wouldn't rush to get your invoices ready, but the director's confidence in the interview is infectious. Earlier in the interview, he speaks on the frustrations of getting players to finish games, exasperated that only 51% of players finished a way out, despite that being a relatively high figure for games. We need to fix the problem. I, this is how he talks in my head, just sort of quite
3: agitated and a lot i the time. Sort of shouting, even though he's in a small interview room with one of the yes,
2: yeah, absolutely. We need to fix the problem that ple- that people are not even finishing our games. People are not even finishing the games. Listen to how <laughs> sick this is. It's so sick that the developers and publishers are literally focusing on the first piece of the game because they know that's what people will play. This is a mass psychosis going on.
3: God... My psychosis.
2: It Takes Two is coming to Steam and Origin, and this is PC Gamer, I'm assuming other platforms, on March the 26th.
3: And costs Uh, only $1,000.
2: It could potentially cost you negative $970. (laughs) Yeah,
3: maybe. So It Takes Two genuinely does look
2: great, though, and I'm really excited to play it, but that is just... What a a, a crazy man. I'm a big fan of his.
3: (laughs) When you started reading that article, I thought that you were gonna kind of reveal that it had been taken a bit out of context, like like no. that he'd said maybe, <laughs> you know, Oh, I you know, I'd bet a thousand dollars that people won't get bored of this. But then the quote is like him saying, you can bloody well quote me on that. Make it the headline. I guarantee That I will give a thousand dollars to anyone who gets bored, as long as you're honest.
2: It's impossible, and quote me on this, to get tired of this game. You can put this as the headline. I can literally give one thousand bucks to anyone who says, Oh, I'm tired of this game now because it doesn't surprise me. One thousand bucks, I guarantee I'll give it to everyone who gets tired, but they have to be honest about it.
3: God, you can put this as the headline. I love that.
2: <laughs> do that, but don't. I'm yeah. not going to do it. But do. But do it. But though. do not
3: that. But like, sort of like but, that. Yeah, but like that.
2: Anyway, that's Joseph Farès. He's excellent. <laughs> Let's see how it takes two goes because I love the way out, mm-hmm. in spite of its jonkiness. Yes. And we'll see how that. Uh, we'll see how that it takes two. It's a cool premise, cool co-op game. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. Go, well, Joseph. From, from it takes
3: two to question three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's by greg smith thank you greg smith for saying hello you lovely people is there an obscure game you remember playing that you can't remember the name of but can only describe its absurdity for example i remember a ps1 game where you play as a police car uh, comma helicopter and bike it was intense but fun non- uh, uh, but intense but fun nonsense ps you guys got me through my night shifts in the fight against covid well thank you greg smith Thank you, Um, Greg. All the best to you. Um, It's a good question. I really like this question because everyone's got these games. Um, Yeah. I find that, or I have found in the past year or so that I've lost most of mine in that um, I've slowly been making my way through looking at almost every game in the PS1 library so that I know I'm not missing out any, any gems for playback. And in doing that, I've come across a couple of games where I've gone, oh, that's that game, and now I know the name of it. So while I used to have Mm. a lot of these, I have fewer because I've since kind of looked them up. Mm. Um, One that I once went to Reddit for to get the name of, um, there's a a subreddit, which is really good. You might be aware of Tip of My Tongue, T-O-M-T. It's called the subreddit. And you go there and ask them, what's that word that means, you know, that thing? Or what was that show that had... Uh, you know Mel Gibson in it or whatever, and they tell you, you know, like you give them as much information as you can. They tell you, and there's a sort of spin-off subreddit to that that's specifically for video games called Tip of My Joystick. Um, so you just go there and say the platform, the approximate year, and describe as much as you can, and they'll tell you what it you know like if if anyone knows it. And I had this demo when I was younger for PC, and it was um, kind of cartoony, like hand-drawn animation style um and it was this sort of short quite grotesque i think he was supposed to be a child but he looked like a short fat man like an old like a like a middle-aged man with a big Mm. belly sticking out of his t-shirt and he had a cap on that had one of those little propellers on the top right and um he it started with him asleep and he had all these monsters different monsters who lived with him in his house and they were trying to wake him up and they were like setting off the like they were they were shouting at him with like a megaphone and stuff and swinging his bed around and he was just sleeping and so their solution to that is to put loads of dynamite under his bed and blow up the entire house and they then all get s- scattered across America in the explosion and he <laughs> finally wakes up in this shell of a house and then the levels are just these platform uh, levels where he goes around America, different states trying to find all of his friends and recover them um, and I rec- uh, I discovered from Reddit that it was called Arcade America I believe which wow. is a bit of a strange name but uh, yeah, it was just, just a very odd uh, game that I only had the demo for, it was like the first two levels or something and the opening cutscene, uh, I remembered really vividly when the house blows up it cuts to this like overhead view of all of America and you see all of the monsters like fly up from the house and like they they kind of whiz past the camera and then all land in different states and as one of them whizzes past he goes maybe we should have tried the alarm clock oh god (laughs) that's just like the one line I remember (laughs) from it as he falls into New Orleans or whatever um so, I'm yeah. looking
2: at him now he is he is upsetting isn't he
3: he is horrible the Arcade America boy slash man yeah um,
2: that's not a boy is it it can't be
3: no it was quite um, erratically animated and a bit difficult to actually platform with and he sort of had this little grunty voice um, and uh, yeah it was a really strange game really strange cutscene but uh, yeah I eventually found the name of that one. Uh, Do you have any that you're still awaiting a title for?
2: Yeah, so this is I. I should be said I've put in no effort to find out. But I was thinking about this game the other day, and I was trying to work out a way to actually talk about it on the podcast. And then we got this question. It's like, oh, that's
3: perfect. I mean, I I should say I didn't go and find out the name of it for this podcast. I no, no. yeah, I discovered it a a year or so ago. But yeah, right,
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mine was also a PC game. It was an educational game. There was some sort of, I think it was in a, one of a series, and I don't think it was the first one, but it might also have not been in a series. Mm-hmm. It's set on planet Earth. Right. And the the host, I suppose that not the host, the sort of mascot character, presenter character, was like an alien. Okay. An alien thing. And it had like a sort of, Um, Hey Arnold shaped head sort of quite rugby ball slash American football shaped, Mm. egg shaped but sideways and you would go around different time periods around the world and they would just sort of be these say for example there was like Chicago in the, I don't know in like the the, the 20s or something and it, it had the music just sort of playing on a loop and you could click around and like interact with stuff and it would tell you little facts and you had a sticker book I think that you would fill with different things as you went around you could create a profile and you would like send postcards from the different time periods and locations you would go to Egypt and there would be the pyramids oh so that ring any bells?
3: I had a game In this, Well, I'm assuming I had a game that was in the same series that was called My First Amazing World Explorer, which is the best title ever. I know that one.
2: I know that name.
3: I know in that game you had to send or you you were able to... You had a sticker book and you would go around different parts of the world and you could send postcards. So I'm assuming it was Mm. like the same thing. But I don't remember there really being a mascot in that.
2: Maybe I'm combining them in my head maybe. Because I definitely know that name rings a bell and I mm. definitely had that. Uh, but I'm wondering what the hell this alien game is or <laughs> if there was one and I've just invented him. Uh, but yeah, that that one is one mm. that I just, yeah. When I worked for Splash Damage, we had a fair amount of downtime uh, between like tests and stuff. And there was um, one of the members of the team, she would just post in our sort of work group chat about a, an obscure game that she used to play growing up, and we would all just like try and hunt around on the internet to try and uh, find yeah, I think it. And you it told was, me about this. It was almost always like a weird horse game <laughs> that was only released in Scandinavia or something. Yeah. Um, but it's it is fun, like going off almost zero clues and just having mm. to work, just search with the weirdest keywords imaginable to try and find them. But uh, yeah, history alien sticker book game. If anyone knows,
3: I found it. Have you? I found your weird "Hey Arnold" shaped head, man. It's his mouth that is "Hey Arnold" shaped. His oh, eyes on top of his his football. Reunite
2: um, me. Reunite me.
3: My first amazing history explorer. There we go. Um, Let's have a look. Right. I've got it up on my phone, so I the can't send you a amazing a thing history explorer. If you're on images, you don't have to scroll down very far to see a rugby ball. There he man. is. Yes, there he is. That's
2: him. And then the, the, the cover of the... God, the cover of the
3: game is bad, isn't it? It's uh, Dorling Kindersley, yeah. Like That's what the other one looked like, the game that I had.
2: It's not even got the alien on it. Where's no, the fun in that? So
3: it's just got all the stock imagery they used to put in their big fact books.
2: Yeah, that's him. You found the alien. You solved it, Peter. There he is. We've you got solved it. the mystery. Yeah. Oh, Brilliant. Go I had a great
3: um educational game when I was younger. I actually can't remember the name of it, but I remember very vividly the whole game. So I'm not so bothered about not knowing the title, but you played as the uh the super solver who was this Ooh. cool dude with a jacket on and a cap. He didn't actually have a you couldn't see his face because like the collar of his jacket was up and he had a cap over his head. Um and in the one I had it was a maths one mm. and you went around a TV station and you had to go in different rooms and solve little maths maths puzzles and stuff. And you had to, like... When you solved a maths puzzle, you would get a symbol. And you had to, like, get all of these symbols before the time ran out. Like, you had a clock ticking down as the as the night wore on. And that would allow you to unlock the final room to, uh, to get the baddie out of the room that he'd locked himself in. And he was going to, like, take over the TV studio. But uh, chasing you around this area was this, like... Uh, sentient tv which was a bit scary um he was just called telly and you had to zap him with a special tv remote um but it was it had a little bit of attitude this game for an edutainment uh game it was pretty cool Mm um the super solver he was a he was a dude super solver yeah wow
2: uh i'm just also now looking at jump ahead year one Oh yeah, which yeah. I imagine a lot of people played and had. I had younger siblings, so I definitely played it when I was too old to play it. But it was mm-hmm. one of the few PC games we had, slash one of the few uh, pieces of software that would run on our ancient PC in general. Right. Uh, so I remember that one and like solving all the puzzles and stuff, and thinking, "Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm clever. I'm good at this school stuff, mm-hmm. even though I'm several years too old for the for this game." Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. basic puzzles. Well, that was fun, but now it's time to move on to something a little bigger.
3: Uh, it certainly is. I'm going to just put my prop away, actually. Foolishly. Let I me. Mean, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ooh. It's a big discussion. Big discussion.
2: Big discussion time. Time for the big discussion. This big discussion comes from Jamie Goddard, Thanks, who says, Jamie. All right, lads. All right. Big news week for casting of roles hang on, big news week for casting of roles The Last of Us and Borderlands and in general I'm a fan of the choices Jamie what's going on in that sentence bud (laughs) I I love the idea of some oh Jamie, some of favourite games making it to the big and small screen and having some confidence that it won't turn out major (laughs) wonkums my question is this though I'm excited for these adaptations are we now at a stage where we really don't need them I know financially and getting more eyes on the product makes sense, but in terms of the essence of the storytelling, are we now at a place that games like The Last of Us already do things that a TV adaptation can't do? A lot of the moral questions it asks are down to the fact that you are playing it, you're vicariously living through the experience and committing the actions that you come to question. The greedy part of me can't wait for these adaptations, but my head says the perfect story has already been told. Okay, that's all. Bye!
3: It's a very very good point I think this it kind is. of made me think a little bit when I read this question um despite the Womcoms' <laughs> <laughs> writing it's fine jamie as you you were. did a great job jamie yeah um well, i'm I'm inclined to agree in a sense i think there's no harm in translating something into um just purely visual media like a tv show or a movie from a video game and it'll probably like make these things slightly more accessible to people who might enjoy that kind of narrative or that world but might not be so into physically playing video games such as you know my dad for example might might get something out of i mean he probably wouldn't like the last of us but just as an example Mm -hmm. you know like there might be people in your family or your friends or your partners or whatever who aren't so into getting to grips with the controller and trying to use two thumbsticks at the same time and all that kind of thing. But they might enjoy that kind of uh, narrative. So that is... I think there's still a reason to do this. But I think it's a very good point that by the... Because it does feel like at the moment there's a lot of exciting activity happening with video games being turned into both TV shows and movies. So we've got the ones that are mentioned in Jamie's question, but there's also, you know, there's the Mortal Kombat game coming out, uh, sorry, film coming out, which some people think uh, looks quite promising. There's another Sonic movie um, sequel has officially been announced now. Um, and uh, there are more that I can't think of off the top of my head, but it all seems to be all seems to be going on. And if our list on... Um, uh, video game movies ranked from worst to best is anything to go by. The most recent ones seem to be the best ones. You know, mm-hmm. there does seem to be a gradual improvement in the quality. You know, quite infamously, video game movie adaptations have been bad for a very long time. But since around about when Rampage came out, things have been getting better in terms of both movies on TV shows. You know, you've got The Witcher as well on Netflix. So it's it's almost a shame that it's taken this long for this kind of thing to happen where seemingly these adaptations are a lot better than they used to be, but it's come at a time where the games themselves are far more um, we now have the resources, we have the technology to do very narrative heavy um, cinematic things with um, famous actors even in them, um so it's, it's almost come at the wrong time it's come too late because yeah the games can now kind of do a lot of the things that once upon a time only movies and tv shows could have done um but here we are um jamie also makes the good point of course about you being in control of that character actually adds an extra dimension that you don't get out of a, a movie and tv show but i do think uh as i say there's still something to be gained from translating these things at a Adapting these things into shows and movies because uh, there'll be people out there who just don't want to play the games. They physically don't want to have to go through using a controller to enjoy that narrative and that mm-hmm. that universe.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it it does make sense. Um, everything you've said there, and also also what Jamie says, I I I am largely in agreement. I mm-hmm. think you know games have come so far, and. The stuff that you have to do in some games for the purpose of, you know, storytelling can be quite challenging. But it's important because that's how video games work. It's not just Tetris. And yeah. I think that perhaps a lot of people don't realise that. People who don't play games, that is, don't realise mm-hmm. what games can do. Like, um... Definitely. Let's say, d- 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 just as an example, Six Days in Fallujah. That's the name of the game, isn't it? Is it Six Days in Fallujah? Uh...
3: Is it
2: six? six I'm, I think it's just the number of days that I'm confused. Yeah, about. me too. I'm not sure if it's six. Is it six or uh, is, it is it six? It's yeah. six. Okay. Uh, there's understandably been huge outcry about that because of uh, you know it's 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 very recent and it's it just presents all sorts of moral quandaries regarding things that I'm not going to get into here. However, I think a lot of the The initial complaints, especially when uh, it was cancelled the first time around, came from people who I don't think necessarily knew what video games could do, and they just assumed it would be like glorified in some fun, some fun shooter where you get points. Excuse me, you get points and like rewards for Mm. for participating in something that was very real and is still very recent, whereas. You know, you look at something like The Last of Us and it shows that games can be so much more than that and they can deliver on the promise of real drama and making you connect to these characters and these people and and actually care without being headshot, kill Parker, you know, yeah. the kind of stuff that games get stereotyped for. And so when you switch that the other way and you're, you're looking at adapting games into TV shows there is there is certainly that question of well you know as games especially with the last of us that you know it being as as excellent as it is it's like does is there anything to really be gained by turning it into a TV show apart from weakening the impact of what you could previously participate in you know mm. by by playing the game uh, but yeah for all the reasons you said, I think it's a great idea. And also, as Jamie said, selfishly, I I would love to see an HBO produced The Last of Us show. Of course I would, because it feels like that's just the logical production company to make that and do it justice. And it sounds like they've got the right people on board. And I'm all for sharing games with as many people as possible, even if, as you say they can't re- you know they're just they're just not going to experience these stories you know they're not going to play them so yeah. why not try and bring it to them the game will always be there for us to play if it's crap or if we if we're not a huge fan and again from a financial perspective the witcher 3 sold so many millions more copies after it, there was a netflix show about mm. the the book that it's based yeah. on um so it's definitely it's definitely worth doing i just hope it's done well and again as you said like it's the the trajectory of how video adapted video game media has progressed has really skyrocketed in the past sort of three or four years
3: yeah i mean i you know you say that you're you're you really want to see this you know a, a last of us uh like hbo show or whatever um I don't know, like, how excited I am for it, to be honest. I feel the same way about, say, like, the Uncharted movie, um, things like that. And that's nothing to do with the fact that it's, you know, been in development hell for that long. Um, You know, even putting that aside, if they just announced it now for the first time ever. I kind of feel like I've already got... I've already enjoyed stories with these characters. And I kind of, I feel like I know a lot about them, about what they've been through. And I get that, obviously, at least with Uncharted, it's like a prequel. So it's presumably going to be, um, you know, a story that hasn't been told yet. But The Last of Us sounds like it will be more of a an adaptation. If it's going to be Joel and Ellie together, who, you know, they've both been cast, it's probably going to be the story of the first game. I guess it could maybe be set between the two games, but I don't know if they've actually confirmed it is an adaptation of the first game. To me, I kind of feel like the story has been told... Um, i'm not not going to watch it like uh, and i i really hope I really hope that it um changes my mind and that i you know see the first trailer when it eventually comes out or watch the first episode and think oh wow this is actually incredible it's like you know the walking dead but uh in in the last of us world um you know i i welcome it to be good but if they said it was cancelled i wouldn't be i wouldn't be sad at all i wouldn't i wouldn't miss it mm-hmm. um just cuz i feel like i i already i already know the story i've been there i've done that and i've i've kind of got a voice and a face in my head for those characters i think like pedro pascal is quite a good casting for joel um not not sure like if i feel strongly one way or the other about um i can't remember the name of the uh the the lady who's been cast as ellie but Mm -hmm. she's the one from game of thrones yeah which doesn't really narrow it down but she's, (laughs) she's that one yeah um but yeah, I've, you know, you've know you got these characters in your head the way that you met them in the game. And uh, I almost don't really want to see them portrayed differently. But then, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan and they're doing that on Disney+. Plus, So a bit, bit hypocritical, really.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it's understandable what you're saying. I suppose I care more... Like, I agree in regards to the, the Uncharted movie. Like, I, I will watch that, but I don't think it's going to be brilliant. No. But also... Uncharted was light-hearted in a lot of ways whereas hmm. The Last of Us I feel is so grounded and serious and adult yeah. that it needs to be done properly in a sense and yeah. given HBO's track record for producing dramas of that fashion um or of, well just high caliber dra- dramas in general but like certainly of that very adult often
3: quite gruesome
2: yeah. yeah um short series then i'm really enthusiastic about how they're gonna uh they're gonna do it and yeah it you know these they aren't gonna be the same characters and that is obviously there's gonna be a disconnect there uh but part of me is also glad that they didn't just go with someone who looked identical to the characters because then when they started speaking it would have been even weirder I yeah. Think. yeah uh definitely. so at the, the very least they're you know they're, it's gonna be an interpretation Uh, and I'm I'm very excited to see how that one comes along the Borderlands movie however I am a little worried about of
3: course I forgot that was written Uh, in the question yeah
2: yeah, just very briefly on that because it's clear that they're casting the biggest names possible Mm. and oh boy have they been doing that it's kind of ridiculous the cast that they've assembled Uh, but it just it feels like it's gonna be unless they go for a wacky visual style Mm. To, to match it, which would be an undertaking. Uh it it does seem to me like it's just going to be Borderlands in name and, and that's kind of it. It's just because I know Borderlands obviously is heavily inspired by Mad Max anyway, but it I reckon they'll just make a comedy Mad Max film. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not really Borderlands. They've cast Kevin Hart as Roland who is just uh, you know, he's he's the he's the he's the straight man of Borderlands like he, yeah. and Kevin Hart I don't think has ever played a sincere role in his life I love Kevin Hart I think he's brilliant but I think he's a terrible fit for, for Roland who's tall as well <laughs> yeah. and uh, Claptrap as Jack Black that's going to be a, a voice role right why mm-hmm. wouldn't you just get the same voice as the character yeah, from the game? I don't true. know. Probably because they wanted Jack Black in it to get as many airs as in seats as possible. And again, I understand that. But as a Borderlands fan, I'm not expecting much from this. I, I think it's all.
3: that one's likely to. I mean, I've just remembered that the current video game adaptation scene isn't. It's not on a 10 out of 10 at the moment because there's that monster hunter film coming out, oh. which looks very <laughs> Rampage, like just, just barely okay, you know? Like yeah, yeah. like Rampage was. And I can kind of see the Borderlands game being like... I mean, I, I don't think it's out yet, that film, so I can't say exactly... Um,
2: what, Monster Hunter?
3: Yeah. I think it or, is.
2: Because we did a weird news and there was outcry in uh, China about a line in it.
3: Um, oh yeah, okay, well, I suppose Hunter. it must be. Shows how much, how well it's gone down that I've... <laughs> it's i've seen so little of it that i don't even know whether it's out or not it's Suppose on it, a
2: 48 percent on rotten tomatoes well it there you go at the end
3: s- of last year oh it was that long ago i was gonna say i don't know if it's out yet but uh certainly from what i've seen in the trailer it doesn't look very good it's mm. just like you say borderlands by name monster hunter by name yeah um, there'll with, be stuff a f- there for a fans few ties. Yeah. yeah
2: i mean it came out in the uk at the end of january so it's not
3: that long ago here but, oh, right. okay there you go uh yeah.
2: Yeah, it's I'm expecting sim- similar stuff except it'll be worth watching because of the the cast that they've got. Yeah. I'm assuming like it'll be fun and there will be nods be... in there Yeah, if you like. Absolutely. I there'll be stuff to take away from it and I imagine it'll be really fun because I was uh, I've been a big fan of the the Jumanji reboot which mm-hmm. contrary to popular belief did not try and erase the existence of the original Jumanji and ended up just being like a really fun Silly play on a similar concept, except it's a video game instead of a board game. Mm. Uh, and I really like those uh, those two films. And if it's anything like that, I'll I'll get my money's worth and I'll enjoy it. But I'm not expecting I'm <laughs> not expecting greatness. However, with the last of us, I kind of am expecting greatness with the cast say, and the team that they've assembled to put it together.
3: The one thing I am actually thinking about it. One thing I'm really looking forward to is seeing proper live action. Um, clickers, clickers and stuff. yeah, yeah. The makeup i think that would look cool really cool yeah i think that so.
2: it's going to do i think that would be really cuz uh, it's again going back to that that argument of like experiencing it is more impactful than uh like playing it is more impactful than watching it but mm. i feel like they could do some really really cool sort of the, the you know not showing the clickers for a long time but you're, oh, yeah. you sort of you, you hear them and you see glimpses and you hear word of them and then they like i don't want them to overuse clickers but i think they could make the clickers
3: really scary they'll be like the white walkers of uh, game of thrones i think they won't show very much of them until yeah maybe sort of towards the end of of the first series or um and actually the other thing i've just thought of now as well is that um you know for 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 what i was saying about um uh that we know the story and we know where it's going to go. That's certainly like the series arc or multiple the arc of multiple series. But you know, from one episode to the next, there will be little subplots where the you know the the reach a mall or you know they they find themselves in a village where there's you know some some people hunkered down who you know they'll, they won't be adapting everything from the game. I suspect there'll be little bits thrown in there that are unique to. Um, a TV adaptation because that's quite often how these things are done. So it will be fresh in that respect, um, even to people who've played the game, I imagine. And maybe they will try and do it like for like, but uh, there's a lot of gunplay in that game. So yes. probably not, probably not going to do it scene for scene, I don't think. No,
2: likely not. So I suppose to circle back to the question where all of us are in a very privileged position in that we can, as players of video games, platform depending, of course, largely we can go and experience these games that are being adapted for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, or maybe we already have. And then we can make a decision about whether or not we want to be excited about the film or TV show, whether or not we watch it, or whether we just avoid it altogether because we don't want our experience to be tarnished. Whereas people who don't play video games, this will be their only chance to experience that, and they might end up with Monster Hunter. So mm-hmm. we get it We get it all. While I understand the the argument of does it need to be made, we at least get the choice to of how we
3: experience it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Peter, that's the end of the show.
3: It's cancelled. It certainly is. Yeah, it, yeah it's... We're not, we're not bringing it back. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, rip podcast. Rip, rip podcast, that's it, yeah.
2: <laughs> Where can people find us if they want to check us out?
3: If they want to check us out and support us enough that we can carry on making this podcast, say, next week, for example you can uh, find us everywhere at Team Triple Jump our content goes out at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump that's videos on YouTube and streams on YouTube and Twitch um, when we're streaming we're modded by Lobrotovich, Brotovic and Troweling Badger remember uh, you can get a essentially a free Twitch sub if you're already paying for Amazon Prime and you don't realise that it comes with a free Twitch sub as part of the bundle uh, head o- head on over to that and uh, you can sub to us for free um in addition to your your usual amazon prime payment we've got social media at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump uh thank you to luke eldon for looking after facebook for us he's doing an excellent job the patreon is patreon.com forward slash team triple jump lots of rewards on there go and have a look discord is bit.ly forward slash team triple jump jack and joe looking after the discord and doing a wonderful job the podcast, if you are watching on YouTube, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. Um, the website is triplejump.mup. You can head over there. We've got like a careers tab and stuff, which at the moment doesn't have anything, but uh, keep an eye out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we've got a new shop. So don't go to the old shop anymore. Go to triplejumpshop.com. Um, and you can also follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter to uh, get all the very latest on like when new merch is coming out, because sometimes it's um, it's a bit time-sensitive. You have to get in there quick. We have limited runs and stuff, so uh, follow them if you like. Um, and finally, www.jr.mup.com forward slash VODs is a, a redirect link to our uh, VODs channel on YouTube, which is looked after by Pat, uh, where he puts out weekly highlight videos, and they're very good.
2: Absolutely. You can follow yeah. Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself, just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream. Blaze it on YouTube. Monday and Friday being solo streams on Twitch. Worst Games Ever is Fortnightly. Friday for patrons. Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Leave a review on iTunes if you can. It helps something to do with algorithms. And this week it is a Worst Games Ever week. There's a brand new Worst Games Ever episode out right now for patrons of a certain tier and Mm -hmm. everybody else it will be out tomorrow on Sunday. So go give that all a whirch. And as Peter said, we've got the new shop. We're going to keep promoting it. TripleJumpShop.com There are limited supplies of certain things. I believe we're down to single digits. It may actually be gone now.
3: Yeah, by now.
2: But uh, the floppy disk... That, uh, that we have been selling the worst games we- ever floppy disk we're nearly out
3: we had like four left about two days ago time of recording so they've probably gone but uh, run go now just in case there's one left That's if you it. are wanting a floppy disk
2: we can't we genuinely can't make more of them because we don't have a floppy disk guy we had to buy in bulk floppy disks and manually label them all up
3: and there aren't many of them out there. Yeah, so not that's nice, it. nice, clean ones without branding all over them anyway.
2: That's all so. we got. We've also got uh, a hoodie and a couple of shirts and a, a badge and some other cool stuff as well. So go check them out uh, before yeah. it's all gone. And then whose fault will it be? Yours. Yours. It'll be your fault. Peter, who keeps the lights on this week? Remind us.
3: It's Nintendo's Which Do not use that word. Uh, we're allowed to use it in this podcast, actually. It says in the ad read that as part of the public service announcement we're doing to tell everyone not to use the word which, uh, we can say it but hey, stop it everyone it's now owned by Tendo Tendo. Tendo, The big Tendo Well, because they're our friends, because they sponsor us we're we're on nickname terms with Tendo. Tendies Yeah. Our guy.
2: Okay, well thank you for listening everybody, slash watching hope you have Mm. a lovely weekend and we will speak to you again
3: next week Bye! -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye!